Hey everybody, welcome back to the Isaac Abrams Show. I'm your host, Isaac Abrams. Today's very special guest, comedian, actor, writer, podcaster, and philanthropist, Mr. Paul Elia. Yo, what is happening? I'm a philanthropist. Yes. I thought a philanthropist was like a, someone that plays in like an orchestra. Oh, that's a philharmonicist. <laughs> yeah, I think. It sounds like a disease. Yeah. Yeah, I've got stage four philharmonicide. <laughs> There's no cure. <laughs> There's no cure, but this. Yeah, I'm rocking out. Have you uh, ever conducted a uh, orchestra before? I've never conducted an orchestra, but I've been a few times. Yeah, yeah. One time, this dude in L.A. Uh, I met him at a party, and he was just like, "Hey, uh, I'd like to take you to the opera." And then this older man I never met before took me to the opera. Then later, I realized that he was gay. It was a date. Yeah, it was a date. Opera date. Yeah, man, it was opera date. Those are expensive tickets, so I hope you put out. Nah. Nope. All right. No, nah, I didn't put out. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. I, I, not not till the third orchestra date. <laughs> <laughs> also, he gave me bad seats. I'm like, we're not even in the bin or whatever they're called. Oh, yeah. I'm not touching wieners for bad seats. Yeah, <laughs> dude. You got to take care of me, player. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't put out on the first date. We're classy men. Yeah, we're classy men. Hell yeah. Uh, do you ever feel like you could conduct? Do you ever think that they're just bullshitting? Like, I mean, I always... I, I have res so much respect for people who can play an instrument. Yeah. I think it's so cool because I've heard how good some people sound and I've heard how bad I am. Like when I, I've had a guitar and I'm like trying to play one chord and I can't. Oh, wow. Obviously, it's like because I don't have enough training. Yeah. But the, but the people that can just rock out, I just have so much respect for them. Like even I was in Puerto Rico. Man, I saw this one guy. He was playing the bongos. This guy was murdering it. Yeah. But then you look at the instrument, and you're like, oh, it's just, what is he doing? He's just tapping, which is yeah. what the untrained eye would say. Right. But there's so much technique. Yeah, but I don't know how much technique is involved in conducting. I would say, and I, I don't think I have any more or less knowledge about orchestration than anyone else, but I think it's a lot like film directing. I think you get all your work done before the night of the performance. I think you're in there working it out. And then on the night, you're just. But are they really even looking at the conductor? No. Well, or. It's like, you know, the song. So it's like, just yeah. play the song. Like, why does him pointing at you to do it need? Why do you need that when you already know the song? And you have a literal script in front of you with sheet music. You got the script. Yeah. You've probably played the song before. Rehearsed. You probably had rehearsals. That's right. Why do you need that? I wonder if they give notes like directors. They're like, okay, so your French horn part, I need a little bit more intensity here. But the, all of that is notated in the, well, I wanted to say legislation. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I'm off today. The government. The government's in charge of orchestras. Yeah, yeah. We need an orchestra in Congress. Yeah. Jesus. I'm oh, It's boy. like all the Republicans now. Yeah. <laughs> they start getting mad. And then they're like, we are Republican. And then the, now the Democrats. We are the Democrats. Ugh. Two-party system. That's fun. Yeah. yeah. Cool. <laughs> uh, so we should tell the people at home where we can find you on the internet. Man, I'm on Instagram, TikTok, at uh, Paul Elia, E-L-I-A. Um, it's so crazy. I was just like looking at my social media and I'm like, when was the last time I posted a photo? Oh, man. I went to do that this morning. And I forgot how. Yeah. yeah. Why? People don't even care about that anymore. Well, it won't show it to anybody. Yeah. Basically, I'll just do what the algorithm wants. Yeah. We That's basically to, the... To feed the monster. Yeah. Dude. But your TikTok's blowing up right now. It's doing good, man. Yeah. yeah. It's doing good. I mean, yeah, I had some videos like Catch Wind. It was crazy because I would... 
post so many videos and then I wasn't getting a lot of views, which mm -hmm. is frustrating for a lot of creatives, you know, especially when they feel they really believe that, you know, they have good taste and the videos that they're posting are high quality. Yeah. And then when they don't get a lot of views, it's frustrating. Like, yeah. like there was a point where I was getting more views on videos for my camera roll wow. than actual, like I'm not, not getting, yeah, I'm not hitting any views. Yeah. Yeah. But now you are. Yeah. That's great. Are you putting the same content on Instagram that you are on TikTok? Yeah, but I'll switch it up because I feel like the, the each of the, the Instagram algorithm, the TikTok algorithm know each other. Yeah. So I don't want to post a TikTok and then IG's like, you motherfucker. Oh, you cheating son of a bitch. You piece of shit. <laughs> I got in your DMs. I know what you've been doing. <laughs> oh, I know. And I've seen what you've been doing. Oh, you cheater. We are the conductors. Yeah, that's right. I read your orchestra. Uh, I worry about that too because... TikTok, I mean, I've gotten maybe one view on TikTok ever and combined on my 30 view videos that I put up. <laughs> one, yeah, one view. And I put the same stuff on Instagram and it's like, to me, like, you know, 20,000 views on Instagram to me is a lot of views. To, right. To me. To some people, they'll be like, what a failure. But I also, uh, secret time, didn't turn my phone off. Second secret time. <laughs> Uh, at the beginning of the summer, I signed up for one of those bots. It's like, uh, what's it called? Organic social media growth. And I did it. And all of a sudden, I just they just dumped a 1,000 followers in my account. And every time I post something, it gets 500 likes. Oh, wow. And it pushes it to the front. But then someone was like, a social media expert was like, oh, yeah, when Instagram finds out that you have that, they're going to cancel your whole account. So I canceled it with this social media place. I only did it for one month and it stuck. It stayed. It still likes my reels. That's crazy, man. Cause yeah. I have also, uh, I've been asked if I wanted to buy bots. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's, I guess there's like a bot dealer. Yeah. There's a bunch of them. <laughs> That'll just hit you up. It's I, I'm constantly getting hit up saying, do you want to get verified on Instagram? Right. And do you want to buy bots? Yeah. It's like a guy on the street. It's got that trench coat. He's like, I got them bots. <laughs> <laughs> he them. goes free bots for you. Yeah. And I'm like, why is your dick out? <laughs> your dick is a bot. <laughs> yeah. And then he's like, yeah, well, it's not going to suck itself. <laughs> <laughs> then I'm like, ew, dude, the hell? Yeah. take me to the orchestra first. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So we were chatting in the lobby earlier. You're from Detroit. Yeah, from Detroit. Yeah, what's that like? Dude, it was great, man. I love yeah. Detroit. When did you come out here? 2011. And by here, I mean, we're in Hollywood. Like I, I moved to, well, uh, in Detroit, I was working on a TV show called Detroit 187. Oh, yeah? I was a stand-in for Michael Imperioli. That's awesome. Yeah. I love him. Dude. From the Sopranos for those uneducated at home. Yeah, man. And I basically learned everything about filmmaking and acting and how to make a show from that show. Like, even though I was just a stand in, I was just like ear hustling. Yeah. And I was watching Absorbing shit. Absorbing everything. Absorbing everything. Yeah. yeah. You know who the director is and the sound guy. And like, you just watch everything. Watched everything. Yeah. There's so many people that I see on set that are like, oh, they're just bored in the corner. And I'm like, dude, this is learn something. Learn something you don't know. Like, pick it up. Like, got PAs, right? That'll come to set and like, I'm going to direct. I'm like, sure you are. You're not paying attention to anything that's happening here. You're just sitting in the corner. But so what I mean is good on you for picking up all that stuff. Man, there's so many people who miss so many opportunities. Yeah. Because they are at the thing 
they can learn, they can take in info, but they they choose not to. Yeah. And Why it's is that? yeah, I mean it's it's different reasons. It's fear. It's you know for ever for everyone. I'm sure it's a different reason why. But yeah. for me, I just I really was like I'm going to be an actor and I'm going to act in a show. And I would watch Michael and some other guest star actors on the show. And then I'm like I can do what they're doing. And like I had this like intensity about it to where I'm like I'm going to get so good at this. Yeah. That no one can turn me down. Be undeniable. Yeah, that was the school of thought. And then yeah. I was like, well, part one of being undeniable is like, I got to move to L.A. So I came here in 2011. Oh, very cool. Right after, uh, nope, never mind. I was going to make a bad 9-11 joke. Oh, 2011. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, during the 10-year anniversary <laughs> yeah. of 9-11. Came here on September 11th, <laughs> 2011. It's going to be a lot of bad jokes today, folks. Hey, man, the orchestra joke was fire. That was pretty good. And I can cut out whatever I want. So, <laughs> Boom. Yeah. And I say that on every episode and I cut out nothing. Right. So uh, did you live anywhere but Detroit before you came here? Dude, the first time I ever got on a plane in my life was to sure. fly to L.A. No way. Yeah. In 2011. Yeah. I drove here from North Carolina mm -hmm. twice. I came out here with my uh, singer of my band in nine months before I moved out here. So I rode with him on the condition that we could stop in Vegas because I'd never been to Vegas. Yeah. He turns out he wins two grand. I lose two grand. That's a longer story. But came out to L.A. in uh, 06. And I uh, haven't looked back. What I was Basically what I was saying is flying straight here, first time on a plane, that's nuts. Yeah. And, but, and now you've flown around the world. Flown around the world, bro. Yeah, man, it's crazy. You know, yeah. like I was in, uh, I was in Dubai, Lebanon, London, just in uh, Puerto Rico, just doing comedy. Like I'm being flown out like a Saudi prince's girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah, man. Just going to the orchestra in all these different countries. <laughs> Come on now. Is that, we've, we played out the orchestra. Let's just let it go. <laughs> we had our fun with that. Now it's over. No, man, we got more. We do it. There's going to be more orchestra puns. Okay. Puns are fun. I love puns. Um, yeah, seeing the world's fun, especially when somebody else is paying for it. Oh, it's great. Yeah. It's great, man. Yeah, because, I mean, I was just on this trajectory to have, as I look at it now, like such a, you know, secure, normal life. But it's like, I, I think God shows us what we're supposed to do. Yes. And it comes in ways where it can't be ignored. And I think there are a lot of people who still choose to ignore it. Yes. Like... As an example, you mentioned the people who say they want to be in the film industry. They're there on set. They're able to take all this in, yet they choose not to. Yeah. So, it, and then they are the same people that, you know, I don't know if they do, they complain. They're like, how come it's not? How come I can't get? How come this person isn't? And it's like, motherfucker, you are not doing the work. Right. If people knew the insurmountable amount of work that it took to like achieve your dreams, a lot of people wouldn't even start. A lot of people don't start because they do know how much work it takes. Like, you hear about these people that overnight success, right? Well, overnight success is a common phrase. only takes 10 years. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to put in so much work to build, in our case, for com comedy. It's like building a fan base and being able to... It's a business. you got to be able to sell tickets. You can be the funniest guy in the world. If you can't sell a ticket, it doesn't matter. A guy who can sell tickets is going to be getting the gigs. Yeah. So, that's, that's my sage wisdom as a four-year-old comic. <laughs> to a professional comic no dude you're right man i mean also even if you do have the audience and which we've seen before of like these fucking instagram influencers yeah. or 
TikTok influencers and YouTubers, they don't have anything to say. But the fans are happy. Mm-hmm. They just want to see them. And right. they don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. Bro, rappers are doing comedy now. Yeah. I wish there was another avenue for that. I don't think they're taking away. I was talking about this on another show uh, yesterday. I don't think those type of people are taking necessarily taking away from other comics. If they're not running the light and there's a long lineup of people. And let's say T.I., right? He did comedy for a hot second. Let's say he sold the room out, but those 200 people have to watch the other six comics. Those other people could be getting exposed to a new fan base. Yeah. So I, I look at it as a net positive. Maybe, but when he gets up and those runs the light for 30 minutes and like people are leave after he goes, you got to put that person on. If he's the draw, you got to put that person on last. Yeah, man. Also, it's like I got a lot of respect for T.I. to do this, uh, make this attempt. You know, it's not easy, especially when you are already a public figure. Yeah. And to have people see you so raw and so new is very vulnerable. And I would like here, like I, I, you know, which is, I'm not backbiting. I'm not saying anything I wouldn't say in front of him if I had the opportunity, but it's like, you know, he even mentioned it before and addressed it that, you know, he did a show and I saw this video of him doing a show and he got booed, Mm. you know? And like a lot of like some audiences, you go to some cities, these motherfuckers will boo you. Yeah. They will boo. And it happens in a lot of rooms. It happens. I've seen it happen. And it happened to T.I. at a very big level. Yeah. And he was like, and I have so much respect for like the way he took it. He was like, yeah, man, I'm a new comic. And I deserved what I got. Based on paraphrasing. And he was like, yeah, and I'm just going to, it's going to make me want to get better. Yeah. And then, you know. I hadn't considered what it's like to learn a new skill in, in the spotlight. Like, dude, imagine Slash as a barista. Yeah, the guitar player? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Imagine him just like learning how to play soccer or some shit. Yeah. Just something totally new. Yeah. And it's like, it's so crazy. He said oat milk slash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He said, sorry, there's a hair. Lots of sandwich. hair. Yeah, all the hairs. Uh, he's like, sorry, do you want me to play you a song real quick? Yeah, they're like, no. <laughs> the, the boss is like, slash, I'm sorry, but uh, you're fucking up. Yeah. We used to just play guitar in the corner and we'll let everybody else make the drinks. Yeah. That's funny. Slash as a barista. That's a good, that'd be a good sketch. Yeah. He, I'm, I'm sure he did that in a commercial. Oh, really? I saw him in a commercial recently where they're like, uh, some guys watching TV and like, they want to talk about how HD the TV is or something. And they'd be like, this TV's so real. It's like, you're there. And then it's like, they're watching a concert and then you see Slash like in the living room, in the living room. And yeah. then he has like one line. And then he's like playing the guitar for the rest of the commercial out of focus. Wow. While they have like, tune in next week and get this for only $19.99. It's like that whole thing. <laughs> yeah. And then Slash just showed up, played some notes. I can't tell you how many of those type of TV commercials I've worked on. <laughs> we have an ethnically ambiguous family in a nondescript, oversized, but not too wealthy living room. Uh-huh. Usually we have to repurpose every room in the house because there's a TV for the bedroom and a TV for the living room and a TV for the kitchen. and It's nuts. Oh, I'm complaining like I don't like that. I, I love working on TV stuff because the product nerds come in and they're like, oh, the TV has to do this and it has to do that. So we get breaks. Great. Anytime we get like products like that, it's like, all right, see you in an hour. Like Slash is here whenever you're ready. You know, I didn't do that specific commercial, but. Right. A lot of my stories don't have endings, so I keep <laughs> just talking until 
someone interrupts me. <laughs> and then we do the orchestra. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Stop. So if I'm rambling at any point, just get, and I'll, and I'll stop mid-word, that'd be hilarious. Dude, commercial shoots are, because I've, I've worked on a few, yeah. too. And um, I think, like, when I first moved to Los Angeles, I had this, like, idea. Also, I was, like, working on set. Like, there's mm. this fantasy, like, nostalgic uh, assumption yeah you know of what it's like and then you realize that it's just like the people there it's like real crew members that are just like dude I gotta just do this and then we gotta go and then we gotta move yeah and then there's like no time for like this nostalginess right in Hollywood. a lot of ways yeah yeah but then you find small ways to experience that you know like yeah yeah like I like I auditioned especially when I first moved to LA I was auditioning for so many commercials man yeah I was the go-to guy to be on hold for something. Right. And I've, I, I auditioned, I think when I first, when I was in LA, I think it was like, it took me, I think seven years to book my first national oh commercial. Oh my God. And of those seven years, I auditioned for probably 400. That's a lot. And Cause that was before self tapes. That was before we were doing self tapes. Yeah. So for those of you at home, that means, Paul had to go somewhere and wait in line with 20 or 30 other people to be seen to audition in real life 400 times. And then I would then get a callback. And now I have a callback. Sometimes I would have three auditions in one day. Mm -hmm. And then I have three auditions in one day. Then I get a callback for all of them. That means I have six auditions that week plus other ones on other days. So I was auditioning two times a day, every day. Wow. And, and working at night and working at night and working during the day sometimes. And I was just, thankfully, bro, I never had to have a job that where I was, I was obliged to be there and I couldn't just like leave. I always had a flexible yeah, job That's awesome. and I, I made sure I was able to do that just so I don't miss any opportunities. Yeah. You know, but then at the same time I was broke as hell, you know? And like I was, you know, and I talk about this, like in order to save money, I was living in a one bedroom apartment with a white rapper named Scripture. Oh, how's Scripture doing? He changed his name now. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah, he just goes by Mike. <laughs> Is he still a rapper? Yeah. Cool. He still raps. But I'm like living with Scripture, one bedroom apartment, and I was paying $550 a month. And then I was auditioning for as many commercials as I could and just waiting to see. And I was like, all right, I'm gonna book this one. Then I'm yeah. on hold for it. Then you don't get it. Then you don't get it. And this did you happens. book anything regional or local before you booked your first national? Were you getting like, were you getting anything? Yeah, like, I was getting some stuff. I was getting yeah. some TV stuff and yeah. like, you know, I was booking one one line parts on TV. Then I was booking a few uh, bigger parts, and then I started doing a play. And then I was working on a play. Then I'm also doing open mics. Yeah. Then I'm also doing shows. So I'm also like keeping busy and hustling. doing things, hustling, just Oof. hustle. Like, wake up, hustle. I could, dude, I used to wake up in a panic. It's almost like I'd wake up before the day would start feeling behind. Yeah. And I would operate from feeling behind, and I would just do things in, like, this panic mode. Yeah. You know, because I'm hustling so hard. It's like I'm doing this thing, I'm doing that thing, then I got that shoot, then I got this other thing, then I'm like, oh, I'm going to work on my homie set. and. Yeah. Uh, you know, work as a PA to make some extra money. Then I'm, oh, I'm going to do this thing. Then I got this audition. And it was, you know, this, the grind. And I was like, let's go. Yeah. And then still making content for yourself and 
you know, on top of all that stuff. Yeah, at that time I wasn't, yeah, I, I was still creating stuff. Like I was yeah. always, even when I first moved out here, I shot a pilot on my own where I shot like five sketches. Wow. And I was like, I'm gonna use this as a sketch show. And I had like delusions of grandeur. I'm just like, yeah, bro, I'll just send this to MTV. Yeah, to the guy. <laughs> There's a guy at MTV, I'm gonna send it to that guy. That's how I thought it worked. That's how everybody thinks it works. And that's, it's so weird because no two TV shows are like made the same way. No two movies are pr produced the same way. So people are like, how does it work? And even if you've done it 10 times, you're like, I don't know how the next one's going to work. I can tell you how the last 10 worked, but, and mm -hmm. those were all different. So it's just nuts because people think there's a formula. It's like, oh, I just go beat Jerry Bruckheimer and then I'm going to do everything. You yeah. Cut, cut me off whenever. <laughs> no, dude, I was going to say, uh, the, have you heard, are you familiar with Robert Evans? Robert Evans. Yes. Paramount. Yeah, uh, I just watched that show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, which one? Is it The Kid in the Mirror? The Offer. The Offer. Yeah. And it's about Robert Evans, right? Yes. And my neighbor across the hall photographed Robert Evans, and I just bought a print, and I'm going to hang it over my couch. Oh, that's dope. Yeah. That's dope, bro. That's a dope moment of capture of, of that guy, man. Yeah. That guy is a G, bro. What? I mean, what an insane story. Dude, this guy got discovered. So, you, so you're familiar with his discovery story, right? Not how he got discovered, but I, about how he discovered the guy that made the the godfather yeah 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 uh, uh francis uh, uh coppola right but also the producer uh, i forgot his name but the guy the producer is the one that really put it together he put coppola together with like all the actors yeah and like basically robert evans was such a integral part in the making of so many historic iconic films like right. rosemary's baby godfather yeah. and so many others and like um his story is that he was swimming at the beverly hills hotel and someone saw him and was like, I want to put you in a movie. Wow. And they put him in a movie. And then at the time, he was a pants salesman. Pants? Pants. He was making pants. I think him and his brother had like a company that had something to do with pants. Wow. I'm pretty sure it was pants. And I admit, it might have been women's skirts. And then he might have just basically became a clothing company. But it was something about clothes that he was working in. And then he yeah. just got discovered that way. And it's like, I think a lot of people remember stories like this and they're like this could happen to me yeah or they hear about like elvis just goes to hollywood it's like well that was elvis like he was primed for it he was already super famous yeah and there's also like these stories that you'll see like uh, like i used to live on hollywood in la brea that's when okay. i was living with scripture yeah and then i used to walk towards uh, the kodak theater where they would have stories of people's come up stories on the floors mm -hmm. and it's like i used to live in my car and then I was down to my last dollar. And then two weeks later, I got the call that I'm gonna be starring in a movie. And then it yeah. says actor. It doesn't say the name. And then I'm like, I've been in that same scenario. Yeah. Where I've been down to my last dollar mm -hmm. and then I just lost it. Yeah. Now I have nothing. And I had to figure it out. And then I'm like, but I thought the floor yeah. told me. Yeah. <laughs> the floor told me you were gonna call me. Yeah. <laughs> I even got down to my last dollar on purpose. <laughs> So I could get that movie I auditioned. Yeah. Yeah. And then it just says scripture as the quote. It's like, what the hell's happening? It scripture, your roommate? Yeah, man. Like on the floor, like on the floor, like all these quotes that they would say. And like, it's crazy because I used to walk there with scripture. Me and scripture used to go on the floor and like we used to, we used to go to the Kodak Theater and look at oh. these quotes on the floor. Right. On the, the, the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Yeah, the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Yeah. yeah. And then we would see these things and, and he would look at it and he'd be like, Man, I can't wait for my story to be on the floor. And now he has one. No. Oh. Yeah. I thought you said 
said scripture on it. Oh, no, I'm just saying like as a bit. Oh, yeah. Gotcha. Another bit that didn't work. Hey. Hey, welcome to the show where the bits don't work. <laughs> welcome to the bits don't work show. <laughs> I'm your host, Not Funny. <laughs> Yo, that actually be a great show. Yeah. <laughs> bits that don't work. Just put on MTV. Yeah. They'll buy it. Yeah, we'll just go to any open mic and scoop up like all the 22-year-old kids and be like, come on down to the show. Yeah, but the thing is, they're actually going to think it should work. Right. The network would go, well, we have a couple of notes. <laughs> Great. This is the, that show. Wouldn't that be funny if you made a show where you let all the executives give all the notes to def, like kind of keep them distracted from giving notes on anybody else's shows? <laughs> yeah, just come over here and give us your notes, man. It's great. We want to hear. We value your input. Dude, some like network, but also it's like network notes. People like hate on network notes so much. Like a lot of creatives are like, they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. They always say that. Yeah. Not always, but in a lot of ways, people look at network notes and they have such an allergic reaction to them. Mm -hmm. But also it's like, they're looking at it from what sells and they're in the business of selling. Right. So it's like, it's going to have, so their creative notes are going to come from a seller's perspective, Yeah. which is not yours. So it's going to feel weird. Like I've yeah. heard notes where they're like what if he's playing golf and right. that's like the note and it's just like yeah i don't understand and then the person's like what without any context like those are the notes that drive me crazy i i get notes on the commercial level where like we've spent two days building a set we've lit it we're ready to shoot and then one of the 14 people from the advertising agency who's also been working on this for seven months goes what if we just painted the whole wall purple and i'll go that's fine, we need to get a union paint company in here and it's gonna take you another two days. We have to undress the entire set. It's probably gonna cost you about $175,000. They're like, no, 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 we'll keep it. We'll keep it like it is. Like they don't think of the cost. It's like, it reminds me of high school, right? In my high school, and I don't know if they do this anymore, but we would have this one <laughs> class where everyone had to say something. Like we sat around in a circle and everyone had to give their opinion. And it was like, well, I agree with that guy. So what, do I need to say something new? But everybody wanted to have some new hot take. And it reminds me of that when we get these notes where it's like, well, I have to say something or my boss is going to think that I'm not doing my job. You could yeah. just go, good job. Looks like we planned it. I'm glad to be here. That's all you have to say. Yeah, there's, people, people create problems for no reason. Yeah, there's also some people that just want to say notes for the sake of a note. Yeah. And like, there's people who just like sometimes will just say a thing just to say it. Like I was at my friend's house and her roommate was like, we were in the kitchen and it was quiet for a second. And she's looking around and she goes, well, that's a lot of popcorn. And then she just. <laughs> like, that's a lot of popcorn. We just named the episode. <laughs> that's a lot of popcorn. But in like in the way in the spirit it was said, and it's just like, yeah, I know you want to just like start a conversation, but like it like me, I'm just, I, I, sometimes I hear things three dimensionally where I'm like, yeah. I know where that's said from. It's like, you can't handle silence Yeah. and it's okay if it's quiet, it's okay if it's silent and you know, and it's, but there's a lot of people that aren't comfortable with that because they feel like they need to like add something. Yeah. And there's some people that are, they do that. And there's that creative version of that when people give notes where it's like, mm. they would have the purple line, right? They feel like they just need to say something and they say it, but actually it's like, I have. I think the real dope thing, especially when you're giving creative notes and even just saying, just being creative and having a conversation is just being able to have the words you say really impactful. It's not about how much you say, but how impactful it is, even if you could say it with a few sentences. Yeah. Like if you don't talk a lot, but when you do talk, everybody listens. Like dude, that's, that's the goal. Dude, like, like that quote, like that Rocky, that especially Stallone had, he goes, it's not how hard you hit, it's how hard you actually get hit 
and you get back up. It's like it's a very short Mm -hmm. sentence. So all the dopest quotes are very short. Some are long, but then (laughs) all of them, but some. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then it's just like I'm trying to live, like basically be able to communicate my thoughts. And I think that's what helped me so much with stand up. Yeah, is being able to communicate my thoughts and punchlines, with the word economy and I'm really focusing on saying things with the least amount of words. Yeah. When I started, I wanted to say things with the most amount of words. If I was painting a picture or telling a story, I wanted you to know that there were three cameras in the room and then there was two microphones and there were two of us talking and you had white shoes on with like the pink or red strip and the gray and there was black bottoms and so many side branches that don't matter. It was like my ADD was taking over. It was like, you want to do that kind of detail, you need to write Lord of the Rings 9 or whatever. Like, (laughs) go write a book. Comedy needs to be like, pop, boop, bang, get us in, hit us with a punchline, get the fuck out, maybe tag it a couple times. Yeah, and there's also a way, like, you know, if you were to be so intricate, like, if you're going to describe the shoe, like, there needs to be a purpose, and you can't just describe things and just say things to just say them. Right. And I think in a lot of, you know, with some comedy, I mean, I would say, like, green comedy, it's like, there's just a lot of unnecessary explanation. Super guilty of that. Yeah. Yeah, it happens. Yeah. Because I heard, you know, I I consume so many podcasts from, like, such legendary comedians that's like... All I heard was right on stage, right on stage, right on stage. So I'd just go to these mics and I would grab it and I'd be like, okay, I'm going to tell you a story about, I'm like prefacing the story with a, you know, like extra words I don't need. And, you know, I would just go off and I could see people just go, oh my God, when is this going to be over? And then I would see the light and I'm like, man, I haven't even set up the story. I haven't even told you the premise. I just put you in half of the room. So it's like I'm doing right now. <laughs> your eyes are glazing over like is this over yet hilarious no nah, man dude i'm the same way man like i i would write on stage and then i would it would just feel long-winded because people think just because we're writing on stage things can just feel long mm-hmm. and it's fine to do that but then you'll find something i think yeah. that's why it's good to go to the open mic and just talk and make it long-winded because then you'll find the thing yeah it's like you know uh it, there's practice then there's the game yeah so like in practice i'll take a bunch of unnecessary shots so i can find what works yeah so you know i think it's good that you're if it feels long-winded and then you're like okay i can just cut it's like great that was the first draft right and then the second time you do the mic you know or the show then it's like a little less a little less a little yeah. less like, now i do it here oh great hell yeah. yeah i built my own brick wall with a mic and I have yeah a, I saw this do you do shows here no this place could only hold like 10 people tops but I have a spotlight that I put on and I tape myself and I'll go home and watch it and I'll cut it together and I'll come back and do it the next day and I'll skinny it up dude you can do like a really dope mic here yeah we're yeah I mean the thing is I don't know if you want that many people in here I don't yeah the only people I want to know where this place is are guests of this show right yeah but sure. it, it's open and available. If anybody needs tape, anybody that's been on this show can come tape themselves or use it whenever they want. Yeah. Dude, I saw during the pandemic, comics were filming themselves, but then adding laughs. Oh. <laughs> and yeah. they would basically cut it in a way where they're doing stand-up in front of like a theater. Mm-hmm. I saw comics do that. And I saw this one person do it, and it was so good. Yeah. The joke was actually funny. That helps. And they're just manufacturing these laughs. Oh, I have an unlimited sound library of laughs that I can download. <laughs> I, I bombed. You can so- use that one. Yeah. 
The breathy one. <laughs> We're just doing like sound bites for other people. Yeah. Do you want me to do Foley for your... <laughs> right. I, I would assume that our uh, VO rates are considerably higher than... We shouldn't give away this stuff for free is what I'm saying. Our laughs? Yeah. People, someone's download this podcast yeah. and use... <laughs> or like the knee slapper. <laughs> that was a pirate laugh, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I could do evil laughs. Let me hear it. Huh. Well, oh, oh, what's the... What the hell is that? I was coughing. Uh, okay, <laughs> no, I thought that, that was the laugh. No, I was trying to do the... Uh, 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 from, what's his name? The, 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 the Count from Sesame Street. Uh, how, how did he laugh again? One. Uh, uh, uh. Two. Uh, uh, uh. I don't know if that's a laugh or not. No, yeah. I, I think it was like just dot, dot, dot sounded like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Is that like evil Santa Claus? Yeah. Ho, ho, ho. But it's that a ho, ho, ho? I always thought it was wild that Santa would give coal to bad kids. Right. Because then it's like, yeah, now you want to know why they end up being criminals. Yeah. And well, that's the thing is that you would get back to school after Christmas and you'd look around and be like, Randy, did you get that cold that I know you got? And then they would get toys and shit. Like, no, Santa doesn't because every, everybody got toys. Yeah. But you know, also I understand it's like bad kids would get colds and good kids would just get fake guns. Yeah. So it's just like, they should just give the bad kids real guns. Right. It's like if your parents smoke, you don't smoke. Right. You give the bad kids guns that don't want to be criminals when they grow up. Dude, one time for Christmas, my uncle gave me a carton of cigarettes. How old were you? Uh, I was 16. Did you end up, were you ever a smoker? Yeah. But I was just like, dude, you got to think you need to be more creative. <laughs> I mean, a carton of cigarettes to a kid who can't get cigarettes. But also to like my nephews, they looked at that. They're like, Santa gave him this gift. They still believe in Santa. So then they oh. saw a pack of Marlboro menthol lights. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's a bad example. They're like, why is Santa giving out cigarettes? <laughs> or like my dad would like get like a Henny. Like when I was a kid, like my uncle would like wrap up a Christmas present, give my dad a Hennessy bottle. Yeah. Then I, then, but the thing is I would see my uncles, how they would behave when they get drunk and they're loud and silly and obnoxious. And I knew how much that would bother my mom and my aunts and everything else. So I'm like, why is Santa contributing? So I'm like, Santa yeah. hates my mom. Santa hates my mom, dude. Like, why is Santa like, also, why is Santa giving my uncle Coke? Yeah, well, Santa's got a bad problem with that. Yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get all the way around the world. <laughs> How else am I going to stay up? How do you, <laughs> what do you want from me? <laughs> dude, Santa for real is taking Adderall. Oh, at least, at least, right? Yeah, man. Or there's got to be some kind of like Star Trek time warp super reindeer, you know, warp speed thing. Yeah. I always ask my mom, like I remember when I asked my mom technical questions about Santa because I, I believe Santa was real for a while. Mm -hmm. And I remember my mom was like, what do you want for Christmas? And I was like, I want a lion. I told my mom I want a, like lion. a real lion uh, or a Detroit uh, lion. <laughs> <laughs> I want the Detroit Lions to win. And Santa's like, listen. Just, just one time. The he's real like, Santa came and was like, I can't. He's like, I'm not Jesus, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm Tim Allen. Yeah. <laughs> so I can't. <laughs> Dude, Tim Allen was the best Santa. Oh, yeah, the Santa Claus. One, oh, yeah. two, three, four, and five. 
Tim Allen was a great Santa because Tim Allen has this thing, and like I've worked with him a few times too. Oh, and like, nice. Tim has this thing about him where he just has this like regular guy, like unapologetic response to things. Yeah. That I really enjoyed watching in his characters. Yeah. And I think with Santa, having Santa start off, like, cause you know, Santa was this guy who's like work obsessed and he doesn't have a good relationship with his family. Then it turns out, you know, he ended up being Santa, you know, in Jingle All, I think was it, it was Jingle All The Way. It, I think it was Santa Claus. I think that was the name of the movie or Claus. Yeah, the, the Claus and then the Santa Claus. Jamie, look that up real quick. Yes. Yeah, look that up, player. <laughs> I need a Jamie. I'm getting a Jamie. Anyway, uh, I can look it up real quick. Yeah, Tim Allen was my favorite Santa. I loved him as Santa. Should and then Arnold Schwarzenegger, he... Uh, it wasn't... Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger was in Jingle All the Way. Right. And um, which I thought it was wild that Santa heck could talk like that. Yeah, get down. <laughs> yeah. Here are your gifts. Yes. Here's some dumbbells for you. That's horrible. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, it definitely got Scottish. Yeah. Here's some dumbbells for you. <laughs> <laughs> if I've told you once, I've told you a thousand times. Yeah. All right. The Santa Claus. Toy Story 4. Nope. Lots of Toy Story. How long ago was Santa Claus? I'm all the way to 2007. Wild Hogs. I didn't see Wild Hogs. So The Santa Claus was in. Oh, The Santa Claus 2. Oh, the Santa Claus is the name of the movie. The Santa Claus, but not spelled like K L. It's like a legal clause. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he signed some piece of paper. So there's the Santa Claus, and then there's the Santa Claus two. Yeah, Tim Allen was great, man. I thought he was like one of the best Santas. I mean, I also uh, not Russell Crowe. Uh, what's his name was in uh, uh, the the Christmas Chronicles, which was super popular on Netflix. It wasn't it wasn't Russell Crowe in it, but I can't remember the name of the, I can't remember this actor's name. I'm so embarrassed. He's like he was married to Goldie Hawn. Oh, oh, oh! Kurt oh. Russell. Kurt, yeah. Kurt Russell played Santa too. He did great. Let's pick that back up. Yeah, Kurt Russell was also my favorite Santa. Yes, Kurt Russell is awesome as Santa. He was awesome as Santa. Yeah. I just want Santa to be Middle Eastern. Okay. Who would be a good Santa, Middle Eastern Santa. I'd like to see probably Mo Ammer play yeah. Santa. Mo should play Santa. It'd be great to see a Muslim playing Santa. Yeah. What about Amir K? Amir K is Santa. <laughs> yeah, skinny, skinny. Amir K is skinny Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah, he just does axe outs all the time. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, he's like, what's up, player? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, guy. Yeah, here's your gifts, bro. <laughs> he delivers on a boat. <laughs> yeah. Bro, Amir be fishing. Oh, yeah. He's killing it right now. Fishing? Fish, yeah. I guess, yeah. Fishing and comedy. Oh, and comedy, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mostly very, fishing. Very funny. I, I think I saw him perform more than any other comic during Pandy. He was performing a lot. Yeah. He just happened to be lined up with the people that would let me shoot at the places I was shooting. So he was just everywhere. Yeah. We had him on our show a few times too. Yeah. I've never photographed one of your shows. Let's plug it. It's low key, right? Yes. Low key comedy show. Yeah. Was that the one in the truck? Yeah. Okay, cool. Where is that? We have multiple locations. It's a secret. Well, we do it in Eagle Rock mostly. Okay. And then we stopped doing it outdoors and just moved back into the comedy store. Oh, really? Yeah. So we basically do it at the comedy store 
once a month and then we do outdoors once every three months. I mean, we wanted to do it more frequently, obviously, but it's like, uh, you know, we're moving towards that direction. Sure. I mean, during the pandemic, it was, we were once every, we were once a week. Yeah. Once, uh, there's nothing to do. And outdoor live comedy was like primed and ready when the pandy hit. Yeah. And then there was like a couple of other clubs that popped up, man. That was the best creative experience I've ever had doing those outdoor shows. Yeah. You got to solve a lot of problems. Yeah, man. Dude, it was wild. Like, after shows, people would come up to me. There was one guy that came up to me, and he was with his wife, and then he was like, hey, man, I just want to say thank you so much. And then he started to, like, cry. And then I'm like, man, what a bitch. <laughs> this guy's crying, holding his wife's hand. His wife is just, like, rolling her eyes. <laughs> you're, my, you're my cuck-ass husband out here. <laughs> this weak-ass husband. Yeah. She goes, baby, it's just comedy. He's oh. like, yeah, but, but it means everything. Yeah, yeah. We, did you try and console him? Or were you like, get on my face, bitch? Dude, I, I got really emotional a lot of times, man. Because yeah. like, I, I think there was a time where I just didn't know when it was going to end and like get stopped by police. And like, I, like oh, every yeah. event, I was like, at any moment, a cop can come by and just arrest us for putting on this show. Yeah. I mean, so you were like legit underground, like no permits. You just picked the parking lot and just went, let's go. Yeah. Wow. That's gangster. Yeah. People are going to look back that on that like legendary player. I'll say this, man. I didn't give a fuck. Yeah, you can't. I didn't care, man. I was like, great. Fucking arrest me, man. Like, uh, I mean, also it was, I was at this point where I was building a lot of momentum mm-hmm. in LA as a comedian. And then when it all stopped and then, Matt Reif was really the one who called me and was like, let's do a show. Yeah. And then I worked with him and then we ended up setting it up in the back of his apartment building and we pulled it off and then we're like, let's do it again. Like, let's see what we can get away with. Yeah. <clears throat> Cause you know, when you get away with a crime, you want to see if you can do it again. Yeah. Cause think about it. You were, you were committing crimes. Yeah, dude, I was a felon. It, well, I was committing comedy in the second degree. I mean, maybe, maybe like misdemeanor. I'll give you a misdemeanor. I don't know if it's is a felony to. Well, look, perform? I'm trying to earn some street, street credit. credit. Oh yeah, okay. What's higher than a felony? Then you were that. Yeah, I was that guy. You're I was OJ. Platinum. I mean, that's murder. Oh okay. Murder is murder a felony? I think yeah. murder is a felony. Welcome back to Two Smart Guys. <laughs> I'm here with my attorney. Welcome to Two Guys One Glove. Right. I worked on uh, the OJ thing for FX. Oh, dope. Yeah, where um, I was going to say Harry Connick Jr. That is not his name. Cuba. Cuba Gooding Jr. Puerto Rican Cuban yes. Jr. He played OJ. Yeah. That was the weirdest set to be on because it was Travolta. It was Ross from Friends. It was Cuba Gooding Jr. It was that lady that does all the weird stuff on FX. Uh, like all in one room, like doing this one picture, yeah. doing the photo shoot. For yeah, it. David Schwimmer is Ross from Friends forever. Yes. Like yeah. first name Ross, middle name from. <laughs> Just like. Yeah. I When I met John, the first thing I said to him was like, I love face off. Like he's so much taller than me. I was like, hi, I love face off. And he was like, yeah, cool. And he just fucking walked past me. Hilarious. Yeah, because I did love face off at the time. Yeah, man. He needs to accept that and embrace it. Yeah. I don't like, I mean, I get really happy when, well, I guess it depends on timing. You never know what's going on in his life. But 
Face Off is something that he should definitely take the time to celebrate on his own because that was a fantastic movie. It was an insanely good movie and I think it didn't get the flowers that it deserves and I don't think a lot of people come up to him every day and go, I love Face Off. <laughs> I think he gets like Grease and all that other silly shit. Scientology. Pulp Fiction. Oh, yeah. Scientology. Yeah, or I Fly Planes too, bro. Like that kind of stuff. Yeah, that shit. If you were that famous and you had that much money and you had your own 747, would you fly it yourself? No. No. I'm not really into flying planes. I'm not. I'm not no. I, I want to be driven around. I want to be flown around. Yeah. Not, none of this flying and driving myself stuff. Yeah. I don't have any desire to. I mean, if I have a boat, I'd like to like drive my boat. And like, I mean, I'd still would like to drive my own car, but I don't know if I would. I'm just too nervous. I just don't want to fly a plane. And like, it's sort of like, you know, rappers doing stand up. Oh, yeah, good. That's a way to circle back to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> also, I was going to say, was OJ ever invited on set? No. Well, I was only there for the promos. Mm. We shot the live action promos, and we were a guest of the show we shot on their set. We normally build their set out on another stage, mm -hmm. so we don't have to mess with their crew. Um, so, no, that was... Uh, was he invited to the show, perhaps? Was he in one of the writer's meetings? I'd probably say, yeah. Did he get some money from FX? 100%. They're the most gangster network on the planet. Dude, they're like the death row of networks. They are. They will throw you off a balcony. Which, did Chick Knight do that? I think he held somebody over a balcony. But it might have been the balcony here. Because this used to be a death row studio. I gotta cut that out. Yeah. Well, did, Suge's in jail right now, right? Oh, I couldn't tell you. If Suge was in this room, I probably wouldn't be able to point him out. Well, you know what I'm also curious about, bro? How are people in jail going on Instagram live. Oh, burners. Yeah. Why isn't the warden cracking down on that? I don't know. Dude, I know a prisoner that has more followers than me. Wow. There's like this prisoner who's like getting great numbers on TikTok and he's like posting videos of him. That's insane. And it's, I mean, it, that's gotta go viral, right? It's like, have you seen this prisoner? Like you're bringing it up, it's word of mouth. Yeah, dude, and the guy got, uh, I think he was in jail for, or in prison for accessory to murder. Accessory. Accessory, oh, he was yeah. driving the getaway car. Accessory to murder is like providing the weapon, right? Providing the weapon, driving the getaway car, being in the presence without reporting it, being in the getaway car, and being a passenger in the getaway car. What if you're an Uber driver and you just picked up someone who just murdered someone? Then it's manslaughter. The the Uber driver is manslaughter. I, I mean, you know what? I, I, I mean, we are the worst lawyers. Yeah, <laughs> we're on a billboard. We're like, hey, do you need an attorney and can't afford one? Good, we're for you. Like, dude, Abrams and Aaliyah law firm. Let's go. Or what about Aaliyah and Abrams? Yeah, I like that better actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me let me be the first build. What about Isaac? EA? Yo, EA Law. I I P. E A I P. E-A-I-P. Well, E-A is Aaliyah We'll say Abrams. that for our insurance company. E-A-I-P, yeah, yeah, yeah that's great. E-A-I-P. Yeah. <laughs> Protect your home and auto. Bro, E-A-I-P. You don't understand about these like insurance commercials. Like They'll get like, these older senior citizens just like in the beginning of the commercial, like sad as fuck. Mm -hmm. And then they'll have this voiceover saying, our insurance program requires 24-7 phone service. And then you see like an old person like on the phone just like, on a, like a corded, like regular landline. Yeah, phone. yeah, yeah. Just like yeah. nodding like this. <laughs> I've never been on the phone happy to talk to someone about insurance. Oh, no. Like that. Yeah.
But as an actor, you could act like it. It's just so big, like sort of like the general commercials. Like, have you seen the general commercial? How bad yes, the acting is with Shaq? Oh my god, I I got put on hold for one of those once, and I was like, okay, here we go. Like, I think they make them bad on purpose. Like, five hour energy commercials used to be horrible. Yeah, though they like like one guy was like this. When I'm tired, I like to drink five hour energy. Five hour energy, and then that was it. Yeah, and then they made a billion trillion dollars. And they still don't spend any more. I think the, I think it was the guy who owns the company's nephew doing the commercials. Legit. I really. That's what I think I heard. And I think they just didn't give him any more money. He just got better at making commercials. Yeah, dude. Those commercials stink. Their product shots are like, it's like the five-hour energy is just on a park bench. But like the hot sun is blazing down on it. There's no grip or electric. It's just like. Yeah, I'm like, can you at least remove the crackhead that's right. in <laughs> the shot? Taking a shit in the back. Right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, can can production do something? Yeah, it's just me, man. My Uncle Tony said I had to get this done by the end of the day. He only gave me five hours to do this. Yeah, and only one energy drink. <laughs> oh, oh, shit, I drank it. <laughs> what are we going to shoot with now? Dude, I used to audition for a lot of these commercials in Detroit. Oh, shit. These, like, free five-hour energy, yeah. AARP, uh, you know, J.G. Wentworth commercials. Oh, call one eight seven seven cash now. Yeah, yeah, eight seven seven cash now. Right, mm-hmm. I saw audition for these commercials, and one of them, I was like, "So what's the pay?" And they said, "Well, we're paying you an experience." What? And that is a currency no landlord accepts. No, can't pay you rent with that. I can't be like, "Yo, man, I'm short, but with a great new rate, you can <laughs> save some time." Blah blah. Oh, <laughs> call the general. For a great new rate, you can get online, call the general, and save some time. Wow. Man, I haven't heard that in a very long time. Or your mattress is free. Yeah. Who who's plugs their own family's company on their podcast? Oh, Rick Glassman does ads for his own dad's rug warehouse in Ohio. That's cool. Yeah. I want to do that for my brother's law firm. My brother owns his own law firm. Do it right now. Let me tell you something. When you're in an auto accident and you don't know who to turn to, call Aliyah and Ponto. Aliyah and Ponto is the only personal injury law firm that cares. The other ones just don't. What, um, what state are they based <laughs> out of? In Michigan. Maybe throw that in. Let's do it again. I'm going to give All right. you a little note. All right, great. I'm going to give you a note. Let's lead off with if you're in the greater Michigan area. Yeah, hold on. Wait. I, I got to do a turn and then turn, turn, turn to camera. Yeah, I gotta do like we're talking, and then I'm gonna turn to this. All right, hold on. I'm yeah. gonna, I'm do you want like me this. to give you an action? Uh, yeah, you, you give me an action and action. Yes, <laughs> <what> I did. <laughs> if you're in the greater Michigan area and you need a lawyer that can take care of you when you're in an auto accident, call the law offices of Lee and Ponto right now at eight seven seven five five EP Law. I think that's the number two. I'll put it. I'll put it blinking on <laughs> you. <laughs> Do they have a website? Yeah, I think eplaw.com. That's eplaw.com for all your greater Michigan law office needs and wants. And desires. It didn't need and wants. It just needs. See, I put two extra words on there. Yeah, it's so funny. Like I'll see his commercials and like there's like these commercials of like, which I was studying this style because I I wanted to like, you know, and I'll give him some ideas for like commercials that he should shoot. And, you know, I've... Uh, produce commercials before and I organize shoots and 
um, it's interesting, like some of these like real cheesy law firm commercials, like this yeah. style of like, what's up with the encyclopedias behind them all the time? Well, I think it's like the, if you look at the perspective of the viewer, mm -hmm. they were in an auto accident. Mm -hmm. So you basically need to let them know that, Hey, if you're ever injured, there's these people that will make sure you get the most money you want. Mm -hmm. We will be available for you to talk to you and we will, uh, we're reliable and honest. Right. Those are, I would say, the three key uh, facets of hiring a lawyer when you're in an accident. Yeah, and from a marketing perspective, you're not marketing to the person who was just in an accident. You're marketing to the people before they get in accidents, so they'll think of you when it's accident time. Yeah, like when they're holding their broken leg Yeah. and their bone has pierced the skin. Are you holding your broken leg? <laughs> has your bone pierced the skin? <laughs> yeah, so hold on, I'm gonna take that back. <laughs> yeah. Has your bone pierced the skin? Is your spleen damaged? At Aliyah and Ponto, we care for your spleen and your femur. Call 877-55-EP-LAW today. <laughs> the delay on today is timeless. I'm gonna hack all of these up for you and I hope you put it online. I think that would be funny to do like these law commercials for your actual brother and make them funny like Dollar Shave Club style. Yeah. And then it blows up his business and it blows up your, your channel and socials. Dude, you know what's crazy? I gave him this idea. I don't know if he'll admit that I gave it to him, but he, uh, I told him, I was like, you should take one of your billboards and flip it upside down. Yeah, somebody did that here. Yeah, Call Jacob did that. Call Jacob did that. And what's his obsession with basketball? Dude, this guy Call Jacob is a G. Is he? I don't know enough about him to say exactly why. I don't either. But what I will say is that this guy, what he, what he puts in advertising, this guy's sponsoring the Lakers. That's big, because every billboard's like 80 grand a month or something. That's a lot of dough. Man, in, in Detroit, there's essentially like five or six big personal injury attorneys, mm -hmm. right? Like there's uh, uh, competition between them. Oh yeah. And it's like they all have different commercial styles. They all have billboards, and it's basically like this battle for your business mm -hmm. in Detroit. So a lot of these billboards, like what they'll have is they'll be like, you know what, how do we up this? They'll say, we'll buy more billboards. We'll buy more billboards. So now it's like there's 80 billboards bought that all say 1-800-CALL-MIKE-MORRIS, mm -hmm. who's like an injury attorney. Then there's Jeffrey Figer, right? Yeah. I don't know if you remember Jeffrey Figer. He was like an a insane personality, and he got a lot of fame from representing a lot of like celebrities and like- In Detroit? In, in, in LA. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. He, he had some famous cases, mm -hmm. right? And then he basically leveraged that to be like, I'm a big player in Detroit. Yeah. So people in Detroit are like, oh, we know him, he's famous, we wanna hire a famous attorney. Yeah. So it's basically this battle of being popular. Mm -hmm. And if you're popular and famous, people want to give you their business. Yeah. In the personal, inju in personal injury world. Yeah. So it's less of like, how reliable are you? And really it's like, if you're famous. So that's why I'm like, I was like, so there's some, that's why I called Jacob. I respect it so much. Cause it's like, ever you go, it's him. If I'm in an accident in LA, I'd probably call Jacob. Uh, yeah, I would too. You wouldn't, you would never talk to Jacob, but you know who to call. But sometimes you get a, they talk to like their big clients. Like if there's like a big case that they know they can get a lot of money off of. Mm -hmm. I love it when they list off how much money they've won for other people. They're like, I've won $4.7 billion for my clients. Like, that's a lot of dough. Yeah. Like, who paid that out? Right. And then, bro, I mean... Is that why my insurance is so high? Yeah. Is that why my health insurance doesn't exist? 
Yeah, man. Because someone slipped and fell yeah. at a Walgreens. That's so funny. And they have $2 million. Slip and falls. Yeah. Dude, I remember I was so broke at one time, bro. I was just looking for places to fall. Really? Yeah. Man, what's the turnaround on that? From slip and fall to cash. <laughs> it's like got to be six months, right? <laughs> From slip to fall to cash? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. I mean, the slip to fall ratio is pretty short, but like the fall to cash, fall to cash is that's a good name for a shitty lawyer from fall to cash. Oh, that is genius. <laughs> Call fall to cash. <laughs> Hello, I'm Mike fall to cash, and I'm here to get you the most money for your planned or unplanned slip and falls. Fall to cash is genius. Yeah. Wow. dude. It's like Saul Goodman. Cause we don't get cash unless you fall. We don't get cash unless you bust your ass. And we'll bust our ass to make sure you get the cash for your fall. Have you busted your ass? Call us to get some cash. <laughs> yeah. That's not bad. Dude. We should do a whole like VO session of just. It's like the general type commercial. Yeah. For general insurance, but for slip and falls. Yeah. I could set the green screen up. Dude, we need to do some Saul Goodman style. Yeah, we'll just get our shitty suits on, like the oversized ones with the shoulder pads. Oh, yeah, the, you mean the Family Feud suits? Yes. Yeah, what's his name? Steve Harvey. The Steve Harvey. Welcome is. to the Family Feud. <laughs> we have the Brown family. Oh, I don't know if I can do a Steve Harvey impression. That was not bad. I was, what, what does he say when, let's go to the board. Now, what does it say? Uh, show, show me the board. Yeah, one time I, he, I think I heard him say, show me titties. <laughs> And I'm like, that was such a perfect... As far as clips go, that out of context, getting clips, just you going, show me titties! And now I got me doing it and I can put a beat behind it. There... <laughs> yeah, no, show me titties and you can do like the board and... Let's <laughs> do an X. X. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be the third X too. And we... Yeah. No, because yeah. what I liked about Steve Harvey's like someone would be, he goes, he, he, like, he'll be like, name me something that your husband wishes he can have but he can't get all the time. And then, and then they hit it. And then the woman's like, titties. And then his reaction is so great because he knows how to hold a reaction. Yeah. And he looks right in the camera. <laughs> oh, he'll throw his papers around. <laughs> like he's sweating in church. Have you ever seen any of his clips of when he's like quasi like motivational preaching before the show? Oh, I love it. Oh, it's the best. Steve Harvey is great. I think he has some amazing bars. I mean, also it's so interesting. Like he, he has a very honest approach and I haven't heard everything that he said, but in a lot of the clips that he said, they are motivational, they are great. I mean, he was getting a lot of heat for some of the things he was saying. Like he had to take about, he goes, women care like how much money you make. You know, women care about a few things. And one of the things is how much money a man is making. And he was getting a lot of heat for that. And a lot of women were saying like, you know, that is unfair. That is actually sexist and misogynist. Like that's not true. And you know, he, uh, some of his takes are controversial. They're not like Andrew Tate controversial. No. Man, that motherfucker. Bro, he's been the pain, a pain in my ass for the last month and a half. Why? Because my shorts on YouTube are getting lumped in with his content. Like maybe just for me and my algorithm, but when I, go to check on my short and see how it's doing and I scroll up, it's always fucking Andrew Tate under it. Like the algorithm thinks I want to see it. I don't follow anything. I only follow comics. 
on YouTube. But yeah. they, they give me a lot of Andrew Tate uh, content. Yeah, maybe they want you to be the next Andrew Tate. I would, man, I would love to be controversial, but I just don't give a shit about anything on either side. I'm so centrist and I'm selfish. Mm. Like, I'm real selfish. I could be like the most selfish guy in the world, but I think Burt Kreischer cornered that market a little bit. No offense, Burt, because he watches this, the show. Yeah. I just don't, I want to be out there like looking bad things about weird people, but like, I just don't, I don't have it. I don't have hot takes on stuff. Yeah. I'm going for more of like the, Jimmy Fallon, middle of the road, late night host kind of thing. Maybe maybe Conan. Ah, Jimmy back. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. Hey. Um, yeah. So this is interesting. Uh, the other day we, uh, <laughs> <laughs> they, they just, he goes, <laughs> okay, so uh, uh, by the way, another news, uh, by the way, hi, the, the Roots guys. <laughs> Ta-da. <laughs> just so happy all the time. Yeah, I'd be happy too. Oh, yeah. What do you think he's making per night? Or do you think it's a yearly just hunk of money? Do you think it's like uh, $50 million a year? I don't know how they would break down a contract like that. I mean, it's... I know that networks would obviously try to get someone for as long as they could. Like, they would basically be like, here's a five-year contract. Yeah. And then once it blows up, they're basically like, oh, great. Because if we were to do a two-year contract, and on the third year, yeah, this dude great. is like, I need way more. Yeah. And then basically they cap it. You know what I mean? So... Also, because someone can be like, I want a billion dollars. And then they're right. like, listen, we can only pay you what's fair based on, you know, market value or whatnot. I mean, there's yeah. so much in intricacies that go into contracts. Yeah. Which I'm trying to understand more because I think as a performer, I just care so much about just doing the work. I just want to perform. Yeah. I'm like, I just want to do the thing. Give me the stage. Let me perform. And then we have to be like, hang on a second. Let me review this contract. Do you know how many times... I've, I didn't realize this. People just send me shit and be like, all right, sign this. And I just sign it and not even read it. Oh, no. Unless you're actively hiring someone full-time to read your shit for you. Like you got to read it. Even if you don't understand it, you got to at least ask questions. Yeah. Like now in the game, like I would say if the, definitely the last few years, I'm like, I'm getting someone to read this. And then they would be like, yeah, I would never agree to these things. Or some of the things that they asked me to agree to. Yeah are insane and I would be like I am not going to agree to do this right like we own it forever and you can never ever clip it out or use it yourself and then they say cool we'll take it out yeah it's as easy as that and then when they're like no we won't take it out I have the strength to be like okay no thanks yeah on I some Jerry Seinfeld no thanks I fucking pass yeah fucking pass I don't mind passing I'll pass on some shit I'll pass on a motherfucker all day shit shit come on player fucking pass your ass right now mm-hmm and now it's time to pass on to the lightning round. Lightning round. Yeah. Has it been an hour already? 102.5 set. Welcome back to 102.57. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Welcome to the Isaac Abrams Show 102.57. We're here, Isaac Abrams. Isaac, you are named after two uh, prophets, Isaac and Abraham. How does that feel, that, Well, thanks, Paul. That's right. What's, uh, what's, your, what's your last name all about? Oh, are you related? Are you cousins with Dahlia? Ha, 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 ha. Not related to Delia, although that would be cool. All right. <laughs> Send me a check. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Traffic weather next. That's hilarious. Just to be mar just to be uh, uh, related to someone with money and being like, give me some. I mean, I think about it all the time because I look forward to being very successful. I I want to talk to somebody that's got. I mean, according to Celebrity Net Worth, Chris has around eighteen to twenty million dollars. His dad was a very successful film director. Still is. Sure. So his dad has money. 
Where's his brother at in all this? He just brought him into a podcast that they do together. Mm-hmm. But you don't want, like, if, if your closest friends and family, you want them to kind of, like, come up with you. But where do you break them off? Because I play the lottery a lot, and I think about it. Like, would I give my closest friends, if I want $100 million, what's enough to make them be able to hang, but I still pay for everything? This That's, is not the lightning round question. No, but that that, that is very tricky, because I know some friends of mine who are very successful and are making good money and they basically you know when there's dinner they pay for dinner and that's their I'm contributing to the hang yeah um, but I when I'm out dinner with my friends and they're like I'm gonna cover the bill I send the money yeah um I never wanted to accept that you know, but like there's some ways where they're like, listen, it's on me. I got it. God has blessed us. And I would like to take care of this dinner. And then, you know, I'll, I won't take that away from them. Right. But if it's like every time we go out, like they're ordering Uber Eats, like, you know, and I'm hanging out they're like, what do you want? And I'm like, uh, I'll get that. And then the Uber Eats comes and we eat. Then it was a great time. I'm like, instead of asking, hey, man, can I send you money? Because they'll always be like, no, I'm like, I just send them 40 bucks. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you got to. Even if it's Kevin Hart, even if it's whoever. And I'm like, bro, thank you. I appreciate it. But right. I'd like to pay for my own food because it's a respect and I'm not trying to take yeah. it because I know that's a lot, that's a big expense and a lot. You know, so I'm I'm very aware of that, conscious of that. Yeah. If you're part of an entourage and it's a social hang, like if they want to flex in the club and drop the you know, the card down and like ball out in front of everybody, that's cool. I'll send them money for that. But if I'm uh, on the road and I'm already under the employee and somebody wants to just like pay yeah, for all that's the, or if different. I'm working on a project and the producer wants to cover it like if somebody else's money you know if you just sold out a theater for 2,500 seats I don't feel bad that you're buying me a burger after work yeah motherfucker buy me some sweet potato fries yeah for the table thank you that's what's up but they're really for me <laughs> yeah yeah but I am the table <laughs> I'm the table <laughs> I am the table <laughs> yeah from, from Isaac to table yes <laughs> Okay, lightning round. But it doesn't, there's no time limit. Show me time limit. <laughs> Show me titties. <laughs> Call back. What is your favorite venue or club to perform comedy? Belly Room. At the world famous comedy store. Yeah. What's the weirdest place you've done stand up? At a dog fashion show. Do- okay. Is there a story behind that? Yeah. Uh, I got asked to host a dog fashion show that was taking place in the Palisades and it was a fundraiser for uh, animal awareness. And just to make people aware of animals. Yeah. (laughs) And what better way to make people aware of animals than putting them in a suit? Hey, did y'all know there was some animals? Hear them in suits. Yeah. Give us money. Right. We need need to make everyone aware of these animals. Yeah. It was like uh, maybe animal abuse. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, but but it also could just be animal awareness. In LA, it could be anything, dude. Yeah, dude. Sorry, that tickled the shit out. (laughs) Like, where? Who doesn't know that there's animals? There's a lot of people who are unaware that animals are out there. In the arms of an angel. And there's just a regular animal. It's just chilling. It's just Frank, right? (laughs) Yeah, dude. Animal. Dude, this is a great organization to build awareness for animals. 
aw.org. Dude, and the wild thing was that it was was very disorganized, right? And also, I was when I was there, it was a lot of older, uh, like seventy. I would say between sixty and eighty year old Caucasian females. Surprise! We're there, right? Yeah. Uh, I would say that's like the majority of the group. And then, so basically, what they had was they had a uh, uh, an auctioneer come up and do an au- and do an auction. Mm-hmm. Then after the auction, they basically did a pre-show, then me, the comedian, and then they did the rest of the show. So they did the auction. They sold some things. And the room just felt like very low energy. It was dead. And like the auctioneer's like, okay, now we have a, we have a, uh, I believe a prop from the Aladdin set. Wow. And it is a, uh, one of the lamps that they have. And we'll start the bidding at 20,000. That's a lot of animal awareness. Bro, they sold the Aladdin lamp. They sold an Aladdin lamp and then they sold an autographed like Robin Williams thing. Did it have wishes still in it? was probably out of wishes out of wishes bro yeah yeah wishes were extra it's like wishes not included it's like batteries (laughs) you get that shit for christmas bro it would suck to find a magic lamp and the genie comes out and he goes man i ain't got no wishes the dude just used them all (laughs) sorry he didn't even he didn't even wish for more wishes i'm like then why the fuck are you here yeah you got to reload the genie with your last wish (laughs) yeah dude is there like a fucking because everybody knows your first wish is unlimited wishes yeah it's like a it's like a t-mobile card yeah jesus Dude, so, uh, uh, so I show up to the person does the auction. The auction does well, and then they did the dog. Fa- they did a brief dog fashion show. So I basically uh, had to follow a pitbull in a fireman's outfit. Sexy. And so I go on stage, and and uh, I didn't really know what would work. And also, it's like the crowd's dead, and the person's like, "Keep going for your, uh, keep going for your comedian, Paul Alia." So I get on stage, and I'm wearing a suit. And then I was like, so, and I'm looking at the audience, it's a bunch of older women. And then I was like, so who else is waiting for their husband to die? That's it? That was the first joke. I mean, did it go good? No. Oh. Silence. That seems like it would murder. Well, that's what I thought. Yeah. I'm like, and then I'm just, and then I was quiet and I let that land and I'm like, I need to let them know I'm not afraid of what I just said. Mm-hmm. So I just stood in it and I just looked around and then I was like, you for sure. <laughs> and then when I pointed at her and said, you for sure, the, the crowd started to like get what they were going to get into. So they're like, okay. And they like chuckled a bit, mm-hmm. but it was very difficult, bro. And it was the worst. I mean, I bombed after that. And I also used, uh, um, uh, I think there were like some, little people in the audience Ooh. and then I, I used the wrong word to describe mm. little people and but I was saying it in terms of like a story of a story someone told me and the whole crowd hated me mm. at that point and uh, it was crazy because I'm bombing pretty much bombing the rest of the set but I'm bombing with dignity yeah. I didn't let them take my dignity away you can't let them take your dignity away you know I'm just like talking and addressing things and then I'm looking to the left and I see that pit bull and then pit bull is just like, <laughs> and I could hear it so clearly cause it's like not a lot of laughter is being produced. Yeah. And the dog just got done working a shift. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? The dog had to walk up some steps, go on this thing and then do a trick. And then the owner's holding and the owner's like looking at me with no laughs. 
And then the dog's like, <laughs> with his tongue out. And the dog thought you were funny. Yeah, man. I, um, my comedy's really for dogs. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a bad venue. That is a weird place to do comedy. Yeah, man. Especially no. if they're not having it. Yeah, I'm going to do it again soon. Are you really? You're uh, the annual animal awareness host? Yeah, <laughs> I'm the animal awareness guy. <laughs> that, that's going to be the title of this episode now. <clears throat> what is the weirdest thing you did or saw as a kid? We're looking for like some stand by me, found a body in the woods, saw a clown in the sewer. Like weirdest shit that happened to you as a kid or did or saw. When I was in Detroit, um, I was living in this townhouse and it was basically this apartment complex and I was in the bathroom and I can't remember what I was doing in the bathroom. I think I was like, uh, I think I could have been like cleaning my sneakers and then I heard pop, 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 like three gunshots like that. Wow. And then I was quiet after I heard these gunshots and then I heard help. Whoa. I heard someone say help like that. Then I looked out the window and I was like, what? <laughs> like you're not sure what help means. And then I, and then I like looked at, but I couldn't see it was so dark. I couldn't really see. And it sounded very distant and faint. And I was like, hello. And then some guy's like, I'm dying. Oh shit. So then I went downstairs and I saw my mom and my mom was like looking confused. I was like, mom, I think I heard someone get shot. And then she was like, well, that's not our problem. Whoa. And then I'm just like, what the fuck? Mom's a gangster, stone cold. Yeah, my mom's like, uh, but like she thought I was lying. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. She, I was like, well, I think I heard someone get shot. She goes, that's not our problem. Like, she's like, I don't know what you're talking Like, she's basically like. Not even like call the ambulance, nothing. Nothing. And then the whole block was surrounded by ambulances. And then I looked at my mom and she was like, holy shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Scary. And that happened again, dude, in Detroit. Was it still three shots? It was uh, three shots, yeah. It was like, I don't know how many shots exactly, but like there was like, uh, I, I've heard a lot of shootings. They, they call him the three-shot killer. Three-shot killer, bro. This guy <laughs> comes by with three shots. Yeah. Ank, uh, he, he's like ear, nose, and throat. That's how he shoots. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm the ENT of RIP. <laughs> Just trying to get my street cred up. I'm dropping a new mixtape next month. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, there was a guy who got shot, and uh, my, my I, and I heard it because he sounded like my neighbor. So I heard uh, uh, some gunshots. Then I heard ah ah, and it sounded like wincing from my my neighbor. Mm -hmm. His name is Troy. So I was like Troy. And then he, like, no, uh, it's Brad. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my mistake. Sorry. I'd help you if you was Troy. So, uh, I basically just immediately called the police. And I was like, hey, my neighbor got shot. I heard some gunshots and I heard him scream in pain. 35 cop cars came in front of my house. They knocked on our door. I opened the door and I saw like 20 officers. And they were like, where did they go? And I was like, so I saw the, I heard the gunshot from over here. And then the guy's like, where did they go, dude? And I'm like, oh, they went that way. And then they went to where I pointed and they looked on the ground, they saw some spit. Some like fresh spit and like, all right, we see some fresh spit here. But 
And then they said, I, uh, they don't see any blood though. And then my brother Peter was like, uh, was with me and he goes, they went into that house cause he saw like them going to that house. They went into that house and they opened the door and they knocked on the door and the police were like, yeah, the person just said they had their music up and they didn't hear anything and they don't know what you're talking about. Like they didn't hear anything. So the police basically asked us some more questions than they all left. Two minutes later, like I would say like maybe five minutes later, actually when the, all the police left, there was a knock on our door. And then my dad went to go open the door because he's, you know, casually he's walking to the door and he's about to unlock it. I'm like, dad, no, don't open the door. It's the dude. And then he radical. looked through the hole and it was two guys in hoodies like this with their heads bent down like that. So we basically ran upstairs and we locked the doors and we were like, bro, these guys are about to come kill us. And then my dad was like, you fucking idiot. <laughs> Why would you call the police? But he's trying to be quiet. Right. Scold me talking about how dumb I am. Yeah. He goes, no, they're going to fucking kill us because of you. Did you move after that? No, we stayed for another three years. Wow. And the guys never came back. No, I called the police again. I was like, hi, um, you guys did a great job last time. Just wanted to call. Like yeah, yeah. Plus. The two guys are outside right now. Oh, you called the police again? Yeah, again. I was like, these two guys are outside our door. They knocked on our door. And they said, all right, stay the there. cops snitched you out. The cops were like, or maybe they were looking out the window. Maybe looking out the window. And they're like, where is this guy? So that was wild. More likely that the cops snitched you out. And they were like, the guy over there in 7B said that y'all was, y'all up in here shooting people. <laughs> yeah, this is a Takashi 6ix9ine just <laughs> ratting on people. Yeah. Yeah, that was scary, man. My, that was the most wild thing I've ever... My friend Dave grew up in Detroit. His dad was a Detroit police officer and put himself through law school and became like a DA or something and then started his own private practice. Oh, maybe he's he's closed it now. He's retired, but uh, suing the Detroit Police Department for corruption because he was on the inside. So he would like go and find people that did corruption and be like, let's sue Detroit. Mm. He wrote a book about it. Yeah, man, Detroit got sued multiple multiple uh, cases for corruption and shit like that, dude. I mean, and I'll also like, yeah, man, I mean, I mean, Detroit is dangerous. Like, I grew up in a really dangerous neighborhood, bro. That's why you're so hard right now. Shit, player, you see my shorts? Yeah, hard, them some hard shorts. Hard shorts, bro, you know? If you grow up rough, you come up tough. I just made that up right now. If you grow up rough, you get up. T- <laughs> Sounds like a Ford commercial. <laughs> yeah. Built rough, tough. <laughs> Build rough, tough. Detroit rough. <laughs> Built Ford rough. Yeah, it's for dogs. It's for <laughs> for, for dogs. truck awareness. Yeah. <laughs> Did we find it? There it is. We find it. Yeah, dude, I grew up in a dangerous neighborhood, bro. Like I, I, I talk about this sometimes. Like I didn't realize like how poor and desperate my neighborhood was until I had a friend of mine got robbed. I heard a friend of mine got robbed for his Skechers. Wow. That means someone just wanted shoes. Just shoes. They didn't care if they were Jordans. They didn't care if they were Air Forces. Like it was no, like he just got robbed for his regular shoes. Give me them regular shoes. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. I I wouldn't say where I grew up was that rough. I only had a gun pulled on me one time when I was growing up. But everybody had guns. I never had, we were all shooting all the time. It was just whatever. Not automatic weapons. I don't know why sprayed like that yeah, that's a lot of bullets player yeah that's expensive you like you like we were like we only shoot the automatics out on the ranch we don't farm we don't have ranches in north carolina we have farms okay but i only had a handgun like pointed at my head like what now someone what? tried to kill you no he didn't pull the trigger we were just all too high 
there was some kids that thought they were in a gang in my neighborhood growing up. Like, if my mom heard this story, she'd be like, I can't believe it. But it was just it was a regular old neighborhood. People, kids were just bored, and they got a hold of their parents' guns and shit. Did you ever join a gang? No, but my next-door neighbor tried to get jumped into a gang, and then he was late from something, and I knew where they were all going to jump him in, and I went up to them, and I was like, he's not here. He's my homie. I don't want him to join your gang, but if you need to fight somebody, I'm right here if y'all need to do anything about it. And they were like, oh, no one's ever stood up to us before like that. You're cool. You can be on the friends list or whatever. Then you joined the gang? No. I told him to get the fuck out of my woods. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I tried to join a gang. Did you? Did you get jumped in? Uh, No, they wouldn't let me join because I had allergies. <laughs> is this that's a true story yeah like i was in a, when i was a younger kid i was notoriously like just allergenic yeah or whatever the word is and uh like i i remember i they, they were called the southfield players player yeah player and then i i know I, I wanted to join the gang and they didn't let me then eventually they did because like they needed people I feel like they just handed you a clipboard like you do at the doctor's office and they're like, fill this shit out. Are you having allergies? <laughs> do you now or have you ever been affiliated with a gang? Yes or no? Do you have any allergies? What's your vision? Yeah, yeah. Blood sample. It was my first gang I tried to join. Yeah, and then you sit down with the leader of the gang. He's like, well, Paul, I don't know. These allergies might be an issue. We might have to put you in admin. Right. You can't be a soldier. I was like, hey, guys, is it cool if I joined your set so I could fuck these bitches up. <laughs> Do you have right. a tissue? <laughs> yeah. Hilarious. All right, we're going to skip. Well, I'll read them quick and see if you want to answer them. Have you ever seen a UFO or a ghost? No. Have you ever experienced a natural disaster? No. Great. So we don't have to skip them. Uh, three more. What is your favorite vacation destination? Iraq. Okay. How many times have you, is there like a, is there something tropical to it? Is there a beach in Iraq? Like, is there, I've never been. Yeah, I've never been either, but I want to go. Oh, okay. And like idea like future or that I have been to before? There's no rules. People can answer this shit oh, however yeah. they want to. Yeah, it, dude. Where's, what's your favorite one you've been to so far? That you've physically actually been to? Greece. Ooh. You were in Greece and you didn't just hop over to Iraq? No. Were you, you were being paid to be there uh no i went on a family vacation it was like me and my brothers we all went to greece uh it was it was great man okay family vacation to greece yeah dude it was it was amazing yeah because i i remember specifically like when i'm on a vacation i just want to chill yes i love i'm a habitual chiller me too and i need to like take a bath relax play some music and I'll close my eyes and then I'll try to uh, just completely turn off thoughts and just be so present. And when I'm on a vacation, I feel like I take advantage of that time. Like, I don't give a fuck about the club. Mm -mm. I don't give a fuck about, you know, and I have a girlfriend now too, so which is so great. Like, I don't care about like, you know, the turn up or getting drunk right. or doing whatever. I'm like, I just want to be present in nature and we had amazing views mm -hmm. and i was it was very healing greece yeah went to santorini <clears throat> we went to this village called crete and it was crazy it's like you know i was watching just chickens run wild and wild chickens wild ass chickens you need to make more people aware of those wild ass chickens <laughs> i was just gonna say that. <laughs> gotcha chicken awareness hey c-w c-a c-a-w c-a-w welcome back to the c-a-w 
I don't know why I put the Chicken w. Awareness Week. <laughs> there needs to be a Chicken Awareness Week. August is Shark Week, and then right after it, it's Chicken Awareness Week. Why does Shark get their own week? Because they'll they're fucking gnarly. They'll kill you. When's the last time you got killed by a chicken? I think chickens were what became of T Rexes. I just think there's other animals that deserve a week. Every animal deserves a week. Bro, it's rhinoceros week. Is there rhinoceros week? It could be. By the time this comes out, it could be we could we could petition for it to be rhinoceros week. Yeah, that'd be dope, bro. Is, is Shark Week during Black History Month? No, it's in August. August. That's uh, well, whose month is August? Is oh, that no. you want it? It's open. Oh shit! All right, I'll ask. Yeah, yeah. At the next meeting, just bring it up. All right. Because all you have to do to get a month is just claim it. Yeah, I think Arab Heritage Month was in April. Oh, that's. Um, but I don't think a lot of people knew about it. No, maybe we need to. Maybe we need to stop taking awareness away from animals, and put it on Arabs. Yeah, dude. Instead of Shark Week, like I think there should be a Rock Week. Yeah. You know, and then we'll just talk about how, like, you know, George Bush destroyed the country. Yeah. <laughs> Show me destroy the country. <laughs> Show me Iraqis. <laughs> yeah, there's. I think there's a, uh, especially in the South where I'm from. There's probably like uh, not even probably. There's definitely a uh, misunderstanding of the Iraqi people. So, for example, after World War II, a lot of Americans did not like people from Japan. That sentiment still holds pretty strongly in the South for people of the Arabian nations. God damn it, they took our towers down. But I, but the thing is that confused me is like the people who, which is the argument that we've been saying is that it's not Arabs or Muslims that took the towers down. It was terrorists right. that did that. That doesn't uh, get through to people. For example, my mom. My mom bought a handgun to take to church in case the Muslims attacked the church. And that's what, like, that's why we. I want to talk about it right now because that's what popular misconceptions are going on in ignorant people in the South. Yeah, man, it's, uh, it, it, and 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 it's like, look, it, it is not Muslims; it is terrorists. And also, it's like I'm on your side. I also hate these terrorists. Yeah, you know, they so, kill people that I love too. Yeah, like yeah. these terrorists are the, and you know, and and it's always important to make that distinction and to let people know that. And it's like, it's not like KKK members, KKK members are bad. They're the terrorists. Mm -hmm. So it's not like you say white people are terrorists. It's like, no, people that are KKK members, these are the ones who are the terrorists. Yeah. And it's like in, uh, uh, and every group has their bad. There's a group of people who identify with a ethnic background or religious background who are bad. And they have now tainted the entire nation. Yeah. And that's why it's like moving forward when people are able to make that distinction. And I think we're moving in that right direction, yeah. which is where, you know, people in the South and, you know, a lot of these rural areas that have this mindset are now opening up and being like, yes, that is true. Yeah. I think it the internet's not, helping with that. I think, yeah. you know, when, when we're leveling the playing field, there's, there's two things that are simultaneously happening. One, we're getting information bubbles. Like if we like this type of information and in news, we go towards that and that's all we get fed in our social media algorithm. But people that are able to break free of that gravity are exposed to new cultures and information and they're able to expand their horizons. 
Yeah, like, dude, like, and also people's ignorance, like, people only know basically a news thumbnail amount of information. Yeah. Most people know a thumbnail amount. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I've had my friend who's Punjabi. He goes, someone was like, uh, they said something about terrorism in 9-11. Mm-hmm. And they were looking at him and he goes, dude, I'm Punjabi. I'm from India. Right. What are you looking like, at me for? I'm also Hindi. Yeah. That's not even like, or, or, or I'm, I'm, I'm Hindu. That's not even like, what? Like you're, you're wrong twice. Yeah, You just, basically, you're just mad at a shade now. Yeah. You look at a color of someone. Right. Which is like the highest form of ignorance. But again, it's like, I think we're living in a, a, a place where that is not, you know, that is considered an act of violence to classify someone as that. Yeah. You know? And I think it's moving towards in the right direction and it's, you know, happening less and less. And, and I think comedy helps the more that people can get out and, and be funny and, you know, spread. What's the information? I was going to say misinformation, but right. Yeah. Let's spread more misinformation. Oh, I'm so down. Yeah. I just want to see what people will believe. I want to see, because people are just like, okay. I mean, they fell for Trump, right? So like, what else are we going to get? Like, all of a sudden, people are going to be. I can't even think of the craziest next thing that the mass population is going to fall for. Well, dude, you know, you know, I've also realized, like, I don't know, if this is this is a slightly branched off topic of this idea of like how easily influenced people are. Mm-hmm. Is like people attach to a side. Yeah. Like when masks were happening, right? Everyone was like, if you wear a mask, that is good. And then there's these far right Republicans who are like, fuck masks, COVID is fake. Now today. Everyone is like, COVID, it's fake, fuck masks. Yeah. Like, even the people that are far left are just like, like, and wear a mask. They're like, shut the fuck up. Right. I did. I did. I wore my, my mask time's over. Yeah, mask time's over. And it's like, yeah. so at some point, what that exposes, at some point, people shift into a common ground. Yeah. And it's important that identifying what those shifts are and what it takes to make those shifts, I think are important. Absolutely. So I really, like, I, it feels like there's, less division and, yeah. and like I think everyone is sort of coming together in the middle I agree I think not, I say that I said this before on the show and I don't know what order the shows are coming out so I'm gonna say it again I think everybody I think 90% of the people are one or two degrees off of the middle and then there's 5% of the crazies on the right and 5% of the crazies on the left that are fucking the loudest voices mm. that are creating all this division on social media and CNN versus Fox and all this other shit. And we get all this stuff. And we're like, I think more and more people are just like turning off Fox, turning off CNN. I, the only news that I consume right now are headlines with bullet points under it. It's a daily email that I get. And it's just like the queen died. That is a fact. Didn't spin it with CNN. Didn't spin it with Fox. The queen died on this date at this time. Now I know the queen died. I got my information. Yeah. Now, I don't know what kind of spin you could put on the queen's death, but you know, they try and they do their thing. Yeah, they would. They'd be like, yeah, this is clearly Scientology. Yeah. Yeah. That did this. Yeah. Uh, you know, she's an animal. She was, she was a sacrifice as the Illuminati. Yeah. She they was, killed the queen. She was grooming children at Walmart. So therefore she <laughs> eats pizza with Hillary Clinton. Show us the damn tapes. Show us the tapes. <laughs> hey, all right. We're past an hour and a half now. So I'm going to, we're going to bomb through these last two. Uh, do you like Las Vegas? No. Fair enough. What is the best meal you've ever had in your whole life? Which I deem to be the hardest question a man can answer. Or a woman. 
a person. Because I also have to attach an experience to it. Well, some people do and some people don't. There's two ways to take it. It's have the best meal of your life should not be measured based on taste. Alone. I, I agree. I agree. But some people will go try and list the fanciest restaurant that they've ever been to. And then some people will go, oh, the grilled cheese my mom made me when I was three. Yeah. So that's why I ask everybody. It's the last question. We Man, there's so many, but I can point out a specific one of one of the best meals I've ever had. Um, I was in LA and there was a restaurant in Burbank. It was an Indian restaurant. And we, it was with my buddy, Rami Sachi. He came into town. He's from Detroit. He's a doctor. He came into town. We were looking for something to eat. We went on uh, Google Maps. We found this Indian restaurant. We show up there. The place is completely empty. The guy had lighting like the lighting you like, uh, like almost like hospital, like, like the like these types of lights. It was oh, just yeah. bright, fluorescent. fluorescent. Yeah, nothing no stylistic mood. about it. No yeah. mood at all. No vibe. You hear the sound of the ice machine. Yeah, burr. You, you you hear that burr, mm. and. We got there and bro, we were greeted by the sweetest man, the nicest guy. And it was almost like he was waiting for us to come so he could make us food. And this like guy- you specifically. Us uh, specifically. Like, Paul, I've been waiting for you. Straight up. Yeah. Straight up, I thought he was just gonna give me a, like the guy, like he saw us, and then he, he gave us the menu, and then he goes, uh, what do you guys want? And then we're like, oh, we're thinking about this and this. He goes, great, I just wanna let you know I'm also gonna be making the food. And he said, I also want you to know that this food that I'm gonna make for you, it might take a little long, it's because I really wanna take my time because you gentlemen look tired and exhausted, you look like you had a long day, and I wanna make sure that this food really nourishes you. Wow. And then we were like, my friend thought he was trying to fuck. But yeah. I was like, no. Slaps two tickets to the orchestra down. And <laughs> <laughs> dude the guy gave us the food and like i really tasted the love you know because yeah. i do think you can taste it enhances taste bro oh that's why grandma's food is so much better than everybody else's food yeah bro i'm sorry bro but also to say this mcdonald's fries is better than anything grandma's food can make that's a hot take but i think i agree come on player. the way my mom used to be able to tell if i was over being sick as a kid is if i would eat a mcdonald's fry She's like, if you if I would go, I don't want any fries. She's like, oh, you're still sick. But That's I, amazing. Yeah. Wow. She bought some fries and put it under some glass and put it on a shelf. They're still at her house today. Thirty years later, they're still warm, so, still tasty. <laughs> Do you ever, you ever see that video of the person that did that? Yeah, that's disgusting. He goes, all right, now here's these fries that we made. This has been uh, then maggots start to like form on it. Then there's another one that's like green and blue and purple. The McDonald's fries, and he goes, and McDonald's fries are still gold. 30 years later. Okay, last, last bonus question. I will say this. I do think McDonald's fries are made out of Kardashian blood. You were saying? Hmm. <laughs> Not 11 was an inside job. <laughs> uh, best road food, best fast food road, or what do you like to eat on the road? On the road, uh, I like I explore restaurants, man. I usually try to eat pretty healthy. Yeah. So, um, but I also like if I'm in the South, I'm gonna try to find some Southern cuisine. If I'm in, uh, you know, Miami, I'm gonna get some like see if there's some dope Cuban, food. yeah, Cuban food yeah. or Puerto Rican food. And so, I, I, but my I love Middle Eastern food, bro. Like I'm Middle Eastern, and it's like 
it reminds me of home and I love the seasoning and kebabs on that. So I'll always look for a Middle Eastern restaurant. Okay. Last question, promise, promise. Because I haven't been to, the only Middle Eastern food that I really get exposed to is on set, like catering or something like that. Where if someone's coming to LA for the first time, you're like, you gotta, if you want the best uh, food, where do you go here in LA? Middle Eastern food. There's a restaurant, uh, I think he's Palestinian. It's called Alabashi Restaurant that's on Sunset and Martel, I believe. Sunset Martel, it's next to Aroma Cafe. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's, it's a small restaurant on the corner. That's one of the best. And also, uh, I think it's called Carnival. Oh yeah. Carnival is very authentic. All right. Lebanese cuisine. Nice. I'm super hungry and it's lunchtime. Oh buddy. I'm telling you. If I didn't have a three o'clock, we'd be going to get some lunch. Shit. Shit. Maybe we just go anyway. Um, Paul, that's the fastest hour and 36 minutes I've ever had of my whole life. Wow, man. That's a compliment. Yeah. I had a really great time. Me too, man. Uh, maybe we should go to the orchestra sometime. See, I'm forcing it. That was too much. You know what? I know where your heart is. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I'm so down. I, honestly, I think I might want to go watch the orchestra because I haven't been in a while. And Oh, I'm going to hook you up. Really? Yeah, I'm going to hook you up. Yeah. yeah. Dude, I want to bring my girlfriend there. Then I can't hook you up. I was going to hook you up with a dude, buddy of mine, that buys pairs of season tickets that you can never find anybody to go with them. So be like, oh, next time they maybe play. I could buy his pair. I can use his pair if he doesn't want to go. Yes, maybe you can. We'll uh, we'll figure it out. I mean, I'll also buy him. But what are they like three hundred bucks or some shit? Oh, I don't know. I've never been. All right, that's okay. It's good I mean, problem. I've never paid. Yeah. Can I get courtside seats? Courtside, yeah. You should definitely get courtside to the Philharmonic. Yeah. Hell yeah, that's dope as shit. If they, if you do that though, you want to go to Disney Concert Hall. Can I bring a sign that says like? You know, go team. Sure. Hell yeah. I want to paint my face. That's also fine. I'm a diehard uh, violinist. Yeah. First chair or second chair? I only do fuck with first string violins. Oh. <laughs> All right. First string it is. Yeah. I ain't no backup supporter. Yeah. Don't support the backups. But definitely do animal awareness. Yeah. My boy's a violinist. He's redshirted though. Yeah. Yeah. He got redshirted. Um. Well, cool. Let's plug all your shit one more time before we go. Man, uh, Paul Alia, E-L-I-A. Also, uh, I am the co-creator of Loki Comedy Show. If you want to know more about Loki Comedy Show, visit lowkeycomedyshow.com. If you want to know about my tour dates, best way to do that is follow me on Instagram at Paul Alia, E-L-I-A. Awesome. Paul, thank you for being here. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me, Isaac. Thanks for watching the... Uh Isaac Abrams Show, everybody. We'll see you next time.